Gospel reading for today comes from Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 21. Then Jesus, filled with the power of his spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today, The scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So if you ever wanted to know, a group of passages where I literally could have preached for hours and hours and hours, it would have been these three. Because all three of them are deep, fantastic passages. But we only have so much time because we've got to get through a lot today. So what we're going to do is we're going to take this Luke passage and put it with its partner passage next week, and that's what we're going to study together. So we'll reread this. And I do think that the First Corinthians passage, for a day like an ordination and installation, is pretty well on the nose uh, about there are so many gifts that we have, and we are all called to different tasks. And so today, as we go towards ordination and installation, we honor those different ways that the Spirit has moved us to accept those gifts. But today, I'm going to focus on Nehemiah. Now, in spite of the fact that we're going to have you know, a, a great time honoring um, what God has called us to, I know that today, days like today can seem uh, especially pomp and circumstance, right? Um, we have two congregational meetings today. I feel like that is literally the most bureaucratic thing of the Presbyterian Church, is that we have meetings of the corporation, no less. I mean, we call it the corporation, right? That sounds kind of... Um, well, it doesn't sound so spiritual. It doesn't sound so... And we have things called ordinations and installations, right? That sounds just not like the kind of things that you usually expect on a given Sunday that you would do. We're going to do all sorts of what feel like sometimes archaic rhythms. You know, Lindsay and Tracy are going to kneel, and we are literally going to put hands on them. Who does that, Right? going to ask you to renounce sin again, and you're going to say, I do, and there will be we do's, and you'll respond to me, and I will say words, and you'll bring them back to me. It just feels, again, archaic and pomp and circumstance. We might be either apt to question all of this in the first place, like, why do we do all this stuff? Isn't this where the whole, you know, why don't we listen to the Holy Spirit and just kind of live where God calls us? Or, I think what often happens is this is a day that the glaze can feel particularly heavy over the eyes. Really easy to just sort of be like, well, we will get through what we can. And certainly, as a member of the dreaded millennial generation, I often struggle with this myself. Why do we have to do all of these things? What's the need of them? But I think if I've had a broken record uh, that I have preached often and I've spoken often to folks so far in my time here is that 
I think that there is something particularly important about the traditions that we carry. That perhaps amidst all the things that we do, the moments when we you know, look at baptism, we look at communion, we do all these things, we speak words back and forth to each other, that there might be something to them. That tradition is not just something that we throw out every time we feel it's uncomfortable. That these things that we have done and that we'll continue to do might carry some deeper importance to today than maybe we give them credit for. I think Nehemiah, in part, gives us a sense of the depth that these stories and these motions can tell us. In case you haven't spent a whole lot of time with Nehemiah, um, I just want to give you a brief overview. These are, in the Hebrew Bible, um, kind of the last two books towards the very end. We have them sort of sandwiched in the middle of our Old Testament right after Kings and as our kind of all of the historical books, right? Because these two books, Ezra and Nehemiah together, and we're just focusing on Nehemiah, tell the final part of the story of the Hebrew people as we close up this series of texts. And so the scene that we're given is people are progressively coming back from the exile. Their home, Jerusalem, has been laid waste. Everywhere that they look, there is rubble, there is mess. The stories that they heard from their grandparents and great-grandparents seem like mere myth because what they see is nothing like the stories told. Many of the folks who would have been there, we're talking 40 years, that would have been long enough for some of the folks who are going and returning to Jerusalem would have never seen Jerusalem. They would have grown up in exile. They would have become adults in exile. And as they were coming home, it just would have seemed like fairy tales. And I don't think it's so far of a stretch for us when we delve into Scripture thousands and thousands of years ago to hear those stories and say, they seem so long ago. Myths and stories of things that we hope for but can't see. And so in Nehemiah, we hear the story of rebuilding the wall, the wall that would have surrounded the city of Jerusalem, and that it was important to rebuild that wall for defense. Ezra tells the story of rebuilding the temple, but here in Nehemiah, we're learning more about what it would take to build the wall again. And before the final acts of the wall, before we end the chapter, we we meet here in chapter 8, where the people gather together and they read the law. And it wasn't just a retelling, although it's kind of funny to think about hanging out in the middle of a town square and somebody gathered on a a, a tower or a platform and just reading the Bible for like six hours. And so to give you a sense of what was going on, that's what was happening. They were reading the book of the law to the people. And it wasn't just the reading, of course. We read that there were other folks who were around that were also interpreting all those names that Carrie did a really good job on. These are folks who were there. The Levites, the priests of the Hebrew people, were there to help interpret what was being said. They were gathering together in groups, and they were learning more about what it meant to be people of this book. And they were moved to tears by the retelling of this word. 
The stories, even amidst of the collapse of what they knew, even the stories that you read in the Torah, the first five books of our Old Testament, you know they're not always happy stories. You know they're not like superheroes of Scripture. So many of them are stories of not-so-great people and not-so-great situations. But in spite of that, something in those stories moved them so deeply that they were crying. They were moved to tears. Something in the rhythm of this life moved them to tears. And so these stories, even in the midst of the collapse of what they knew, met them in the deepest parts of themselves. And what was the response? Nehemiah says, don't necessarily sit in your grief, but live well. Eat the fat, drink the sweet wine, live life well, and be sure to give some to those who have nothing. Somebody else has come home and they don't have anything. Give some of what you have to them. Because of God's holiness, and these are these stories that were told, the stories of the scripture for the Hebrew people were the stories that were to provide them strength to be able to move forward in the difficult task of rebuilding home again. And so what about today? These brief few minutes that I have before we move on to ordination. Well, I think Nehemiah reminds us that the acts that we perform that have been noted in Scripture, bringing forth elders and deacons, and by extension trustees, by reading Scripture, by understanding it together, by remembering baptism, which we're given in Scripture, by remembering Christ at the table, they connect us to the deepest parts of the story that we live in. They tell us something about who we are in the midst of this already but not yet exile. As much as we live in this world as Christians, we know that we are not completely at home. We're still somewhere in the midst of a Babylon of our own, waiting for Christ's return. And certainly, we can ignore those moments, we can glaze over, we can rage against it, or perhaps the best thing we could do is live well, eat the fat, drink the wine, and give what we can to our neighbors. But at the end of the day, the strength to be able to do those things comes not in our own abilities, comes not into what we have, but is in the strength of the stories and in the traditions that form us and shape us. And these things are worth wrestling with, worth, worth engaging in. When we renounce sin, when we say, I do, and we do, that they mean something more than just a tacit response to some words that are spoken on a Sunday morning in 2019. That these stories, this tradition, is worth living into. That they provide a deeper strength for us to do what we are called to do to eat well, to drink well, to give to others. This is the marrow of our Christian life. 
And so, friends, as we go through this ordination and installation, as we go through the congregational meeting, as we hear the stories of our faithfulness in 2018, remember that these are the same stories of God's faithfulness, the strength that God gives us for us to do what we can do best. This is not just business, but it's the Holy Spirit in our midst. And it might not move us to tears, I hope, as we continue to go forward in our time together, that it does reach the deepest part of you, dear brothers and sisters. That the story of this congregation, the story of God's faithfulness here in this part of Delaware, Ohio, speaks to you in ways that it hasn't spoken before. That God's strength is still with us. Thanks be to God.